listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Before we dive into the Word, let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you, and we just thank you for all things. Father, I just pray, as always, that tonight you would use me, Lord God. I pray that every word that comes from my mouth is your words, Lord God, and I pray that hearts are just changed tonight, Lord. Lives are changed, Father, and people will leave this place tonight different to how they arrived. And as always, God, we promise to give you all praise and all glory for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen and amen. Okay, so tonight, this is part two of our three-part Wednesday series called XO, The Truth About Love. And we are looking over the three weeks at three ways and three types of love that are spoken about in Matthew uh, chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. And that scripture, as a reminder, says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there's three types of love mentioned in that scripture. Loving God, loving others, and loving yourself. Last week we looked at how to love God. And we looked at seven of the ways that God loves us and how we should respond to him in each of those areas. We learn the best ways that we can show God that we love him and how we can work on those things. Work on those things? Yes, work on those things. Yes, work. Because what we established was that love is not a noun, it's a verb. It's a doing word. It's an action word. And as with every action word, everything that we, can, that we do, we can learn to do, and we can learn to do better than we are doing right now. So loving is no different to that. Loving is an action word, it's a verb, and it's something that we can learn how to do well. And if we're already doing it well, we can learn how to do it better. So if you weren't here last Wednesday, I really encourage you, pick up one of the CDs on the way out, or it is available on our podcasts, as all of our messages are uh, from this church. So in that scripture, there are two other ways of love, two other types of love uh, that were spoken about. It's love your neighbor as yourself, okay? Love your neighbor and love yourself. So tonight we're actually going to be looking at how to love yourself, all right? Now, unless we love God properly and then we love ourselves properly, it's impossible to love our neighbors properly. We have to get things right. We have to do the love thing in the right way towards God first, then towards ourselves, and then towards other people will come naturally from that. Okay, so we're talking about loving yourself. Now, there's going to be some people who are sat here now who who are basically saying, well, I've got that down. I mean, loving myself, I completely, I mean, have you seen me? How can you not love myself? I mean, I've got that done. Absolutely no problem. I am awesome, and I love myself. 
Now, if that's you and you are speaking like that, there's a possibility that you aren't quite loving yourself properly. So you need to pay attention as much as everybody else here does tonight. Okay, so we're going to be running through, as I said, ways and tips on how to love yourself. I'm going to give you some pointers on how to love yourself. Because once again, the way that you treat yourself is no different to any other action word. It can be learned and it can be improved upon. So all joking aside, it's a very, very serious issue because how you see yourself and how you love yourself is reflected in the way that you treat other people. So it's key, absolutely key. So it can be learned how to love yourself. But as importantly, when it comes to this topic, very importantly, the way that you look at yourself, the way that you love yourself, or more importantly, the way that you don't love yourself can be unlearned. So there are some people here this evening who are not necessarily going to learn anything other than how to unlearn the way that you feel about yourself right now. So as I said, it's a very serious topic. And what do I mean by that? Well, the majority of us do not look upon ourselves the way that we should. The majority of us do, don't, I should say. We have opinions of ourselves that are formed by the input that we've received from those people around us. And we learned last week that how we love anyone and everyone is influenced at least partly by what we see on a day-to-day basis. Be that from family and friends, from TV, from movies, magazines, internet blogs. There are a thousand different places now where we can get to be taught how to love. We are taught how to gauge ourselves, how to rate ourselves by what society tells us is lovable and attractive. Now, I said last week, I'm going to say this week, and I will definitely say again next week, that this is the only source of information. This is where we should go to be taught how to love. When it comes to learning how to love, there is only one true source of information that we should be looking at, and that's God's Word. So tonight, I'm going to cover a lot of information again, and we're going to be looking at the wrong ways and the right ways of loving yourself. And there is something tonight which is going to apply to you. Because each and every one of us will relate to at least one point that I'm going to make this evening. I promise you that. And my prayer again tonight, as always, is that somebody leaves here with a fresh, new, and healthy perspective on what it means to love themselves and also some practical tips on how best to do it. So let's dive in and let's start with a reality check. The reality is this. You can only truly love yourself when you see yourself for who you are, not for who you think you are. Who you are does not mean the way that you act. It doesn't mean the things that you say or even the way that you see things. Because the way that you act, the things that you say, and the way that you see things are all governed by your opinion of yourself. If you think too highly of yourself you will act in a certain way. If you have a very low self-esteem, then you will act another way. The truth is that neither way is the way that you were created to act. So the reality is that who you see yourself as is based on an opinion. Yours. It's based on your opinion. Who you say you are is who you say you are, but not necessarily who you actually are even though it's you who is saying it. Let me say that to you again. Who you say you are is who you say you are, but it's not necessarily who you actually are, even though it's you who is saying it. And I want to help, to help you to see who it is that you actually are. I'm going to help you to see who you are not. 
And by doing so, I believe that you're going to be able to see yourself in a way that is closer to the right way. It's closer to the way that you should value yourself and the way that you should love yourself. It's going to turn out that possibly you're going to leave here loving yourself, liking yourself and valuing yourself more than you do right now. So I'm going to look at three areas that are going to help us to love ourselves better than we do right now. And in a way that is healthy and is biblical. And in each of those areas, I've got three points to cover. So three areas and three points to each area. So the first way that we can learn to love ourselves is this. See yourself as God sees you. So following last week's message, we're all agreed that God is love. Yes? All right, now just in case you're not totally sure about that, here's the scripture that tells us that very thing. 1 John 4 verse 8 says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, God is love. So by definition, we're all agreed that God is the leading authority on how to love. Because if God is love, he's the leading authority on love, period. So from that, it then follows that to learn how we should be looking at ourselves and valuing ourselves properly, we should discover how God looks at us and values us and then work on doing the same thing. Make sense? So let's look at the way that God looks at you. Who he says you are to him. Let's start with a huge one. God says you are loved and chosen. What a thought. What a thought. We need to use that as a starting point for how we see ourselves. When we're struggling with our own self-image and our own self-worth, we should take a moment and remember this. God loves you and has chosen you. 1 Thessalonians 1.4, we know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. Now, Paul is writing this to the Thessalonian church in this passage. But at the top of your Bible, just before this section, it probably says that he's talking to the believers of Thessalonians. So, the believers of. So, it applies to every single one of us as believers. All believers. We are all looked upon the same way by God. So, if you hear nothing else tonight, hear this. God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. So let's personalize it. Everybody say, God loves me and has chosen me. And that's absolute biblical truth. You are chosen. You are chosen and God loves you. Now when we truly accept that and we know that, it has to change how we see ourselves. And at the very least, it should make how we see ourselves as less important. In other words, if I have an opinion of myself and God has a different opinion, then his opinion trumps mine. Amen? And that's what we need to lean on. Look how chosen God says we are. John 1.12, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, if we ever look at ourselves and see little value, or if someone else is telling us that we have no worth, we need to take the focus off who we are and dwell on whose we are. It doesn't matter what anyone says I am. It doesn't matter what I say about myself. The fact is that God is my father. He is my Abba. God is my daddy. What else does God say about you? God says this. He says, you are wonderfully made. Now, I love this scripture. It puts into perspective not just how God sees me now, but how he thought about me while he was creating me. Psalm 139.14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. That my soul 
knows very well. We need to make sure that our soul remembers that very well. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that likes to encourage other people who are putting forth effort. If someone has put time into something, and energy into something, if, it's, if they've written something, or built something, or baked something, whatever it might be, if they've put time and effort into it, I am not going to go up to them and say, that's complete rubbish. I, I'm not going to put that down. I'm not going to be discouraging. If I say something like that, if you've put time and effort into something, I come up to you and say, that's really bad. How demeaning is that? How rude is that? Someone has given something, their diligent and focused work, and I'm going to trash talk the results of their labor. Not nice, not cool. And yet how many of us will not think twice about saying bad things about ourselves? How many of us will regularly badmouth and put down God's workmanship? I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I'm too big. I'm too small. My hair's too long. I've got no hair. Whatever it might be, how dare we look at God's creation, God's workmanship, that he is diligently, he has wonderfully, he has fearfully made. How dare we look in a mirror and say, that's not very good work. One more way that God sees us that I want to look at and highlight is this. God says you are a conqueror. He says you are a conqueror. What does that have to do with our loving ourselves? Well, it's incredibly difficult to look at ourselves in a positive way when we are feeling weak and defeated. It's hard to look on ourselves in a positive light when we're feeling overwhelmed by our situations and circumstances. But look at this, Romans 8, 37, 38. Let in all these things, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is who we should see ourselves as. Someone that is loved so much by God that we firstly will never be separated from him by anything And secondly, that we can conquer all things because of him and through him. So again, this is not by any means an exhaustive list of the things that God has to say about who he sees us as. But you can definitely see a trend, yes? I believe it's fair to say that there are not many of us that genuinely and consistently see ourselves the way that God sees us. And that is something that we should correct. It's impossible to draw strength from something that we do not believe. We have to remind ourselves continually who it is that God says we are so that it starts becoming something that we lean on and something that we draw strength from. We need to believe it and know it enough in ourselves so that it overrides and it replaces our own opinions of ourselves when we start to think negatively about who we are or what we can achieve or what we can do to help and assist God's kingdom. All of the negative things that the enemy wants us to believe about ourselves. You know, I believe that the way that we see ourselves is one of the biggest areas where we will believe the devil and his input more than we will believe God and his. We need to meditate on the way he sees us because if we accept it fully, our own opinion will first of all not matter and eventually our opinion will change to agree with his. 
So the second way that we can come to love ourselves, more than we do now, is this. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. We've established already that the way we see ourselves is based largely on our opinion of ourselves. Now, the problem with that is that we know all the things that we've done in our lives. We know all of the stupid decisions and choices that we've made, and we know all of the wrong things that we've done. Now, I know that before I knew God, I would spend a lot of time going back in my mind over my life and looking at where I was and why I was there. I would find myself replaying certain moments over and over again in my brains, moments where I was making a stupid choice or I was doing a stupid thing because of a stupid choice or I was in a stupid place doing a stupid thing because of a stupid choice, basically just focusing on all of the stupid stuff that I'd done. Now, I was never one for regretting my choices that I'd made, but I certainly regretted some of the consequences and some of the ways that I had affected and hurt other people. It was a huge weight and a huge burden. It's one that I spoke about last week. It was one that was taken off of my shoulders immediately the moment that I gave my life to Christ. Unforgiveness is crippling, and no more so than when it's ourselves that we are not forgiving. So let me quickly look at three areas of your life where you need to work on forgiving yourself. The first one, you need to forgive yourself for how you have treated yourself. I don't think there's a single person in here that can honestly say that they have never let themselves down at some point in their lives. Most of us can probably look at several times where we know we could have done better, where we could have made better decisions. Maybe we could have put in more effort with something. Maybe we could have stretched ourselves a little more. Maybe we should have stretched ourselves a little less. Hate is a horrible thing. Self-hate is a debilitating thing. The amount that we can make a difference in the world and in other people's lives is largely determined by the value that we place upon ourselves. If we determine our worth and value by the things that we've done wrong in our lives, we will never consider that we amount to very much or that we have anything to give. That is complete nonsense. And it goes against everything that God has in mind for us, everything that God has in mind for you. Now, just because it's complete nonsense does not mean that it's easy to ignore it. But that's exactly what we have to do. Look here at what this scripture tells us about forgiveness. Colossians 1, 13, 14 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. There is no darker place than a place where we dislike ourselves and are angry with ourselves. And I say that knowledgeably because I have been there. I've been in that place. I've been in a place so dark that I did not know how to get out of it. A place so dark I didn't know how to get out of it, but I tried countless ways to escape it. I tried alcohol. I tried pornography. I tried drugs. I tried prescribed medication. And then Christ found me. And Christ forgave me. Christ gave me freedom, and he rescued me from the kingdom of darkness. And now I refuse to go back. I refuse to go back, not even for a moment. Now, here's the thing. Christ forgave me, and he brought me into the light. Who am I to not forgive myself? Who am I to turn around and walk back into the darkness based on the way that I see myself and what it is that I did? Forgive yourself for what you've done to yourself or said to yourself. It will change your life. 
It will change how you see yourself, which in turn will change your capacity to love yourself. The second area that you need to forgive yourself for is this. You need to forgive yourself for how you have treated other people. Now, how many people here can look at some part of their lives in some friendship and relationship that they have had and remember one thing that they said or did to that person and still feel embarrassed about it today? My hand's up. Every person here can do that. We can all remember one moment at least. Now, this is tied in closely with forgiveness for what we did to ourselves because a lot of what we end up doing or what we ended up doing to ourselves can come as a result of what we did to other people. There are moments in my life that I did or said something to someone that had a direct influence on where I ended up and the state I ended up in. And I'm not talking about maliciously uh, doing things to people because I was never like that, even before I knew Christ. But I am talking about the fact that I know in hindsight that I caused people pain and upset. I know for a fact, for instance, that I've caused my mum a huge amount of worry and stress in my lifetime with some of the choices that I made. And this can also lead us to dwelling in darkness if we're not careful. Dwelling and and, and feeling guilty about the effect that we've had on other people. Now, I have forgiven myself for everything that I ever did to anyone. Now, that doesn't mean that I have dismissed the importance or the gravity of those things. It doesn't mean I'm kidding myself that they didn't matter or they brought no consequences to me or to those people. But I am saying that I no longer dwell on those things or think bad of myself for them. Holding a grudge against yourself for something that you did to someone in your past is not going to undo what you did. It is not going to prevent that thing from happening in the past. But it's potentially going to stop other things, good things, from happening in your future. Forgive yourself and move on. Not doing that is hurting you more than it's hurting anybody else. But it's also hurting those around you. If you are depriving them of a forgiven and free you. If you're carrying that burden, it's affecting people around you. So the last part of forgiveness I want to talk about is this. Forgive yourself for how you have treated God. Now this is an interesting one. What do I mean on how we've treated God? Well, it's much the same as how we can all remember a moment when we've done or said something that affected us or somebody else. Okay, or not done or said something which has been affecting somebody else or, again, ourselves. We can all probably remember at least one time when we have not treated God or our relationship with him the way that we should. Let's take this for example, and don't raise your hands for this one. How many of us have not spoken out when we could have done so about Christ? How many of us have left someone having not invited them to church and wishing that we had later on? Or how about this one? How about not standing up for our faith when we hear somebody speaking badly about God or Christians? Now, many of you have probably had conversations, and we've had conversations in the office, about how we would react if we were in the position that those people were not so long ago, where they had a gun pointed at them with a simple question, are you a Christian? Now, ask me right now, and I will tell you with 100% belief right now, that I would say, yes, I'm a Christian, and I would take a bullet. Now, if it were to actually happen, and the gun was to my head, I pray that my conviction and my loyalty would be the same. But I'm not talking about that kind of a situation. I'm talking about the opportunities that you may have passed up in your lunchtime, lunchroom at work, or when the topic could have been spoken about with your next-door neighbor, but wasn't. Now, forgive yourself for that. 
Because if you froze once, we can freeze every time. We have the opportunity again, if we remember the one time we froze before. Not doing it before can prevent you from doing it the next time you have the opportunity for it. If you have had a moment where you have not stood up for Christ or your faith, let me reassure you by reminding you that you are in good company. Mark 14, verse 66. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, This man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, You must be one of them because you are a Galilean. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he broke down and he wept. Now this is Peter. While Jesus is still alive and kicking, we aren't talking about him being held at gunpoint. We're not even talking about him being held at sword point by a big hairy Roman. We are talking about a servant girl. We're talking about the equivalent of it being the person in the cubicle next to you. We're talking about that person that you've been avoiding because you, don't, you, that you know you should be inviting them to church. Forgive yourself. Don't worry about what you've done or not done so far in your faith and your walk. This is the day the Lord has made. It's a fresh start. It's a fresh opportunity. And you have to look on it that way. God is not holding it against you, and he certainly doesn't want it to stop you from stepping up and stepping out in the future. Peter was forgiven for every time he denied Christ while Christ was actually alive and present. You are forgiven for that time that you didn't invite your work colleague to church. Just don't do it again. All right, so the last area of your life that we can work on loving ourselves is this. Look after yourself. You can love yourself by looking after yourself. Now, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to think about somebody that you love. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Do I want the best for that person? Do I want them to be safe and well? Do I want them to grow and develop? Do I want their lives to get better or worse? Now, whoever that person is in your mind right now, replace them with you. And ask yourself the same questions. So often, we can want the very best for everybody around us except ourselves. We can be proactive in helping others and not helping ourselves. We display our love for other people by caring for them in every way we can. So you can love yourself by doing the same thing and caring for you. Let me close out by looking at three ways that you can look after yourself to show yourself that you love yourself. Number one, look after yourself physically. Now, I'm coming to you, and I'm talking to you about this area of life, and I feel that I'm qualified to do so from both sides of the fence. I have been physically unfit and unhealthy, and I've been fit and healthy. I've abused my body in every way possible, and I've treated it well. I used to drink, smoke, use drugs, didn't eat well at all. Some days didn't eat at all. 
and now on the opposite end of the spectrum. And let me tell you, looking after myself now means that I can do a better job in every single area of my life. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I'm a better employee. I'm a better pastor. I am a better me because I look after myself physically. We're called and we are instructed to look after our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now, looking after yourself physically doesn't just mean eating well and exercising. It means refraining from sexual immorality. It means resisting temptations of the flesh. There is a whole lot of stuff out there which can bring physical pleasure. But I will take peace and joy over pleasure every day of the week. I would rather be honoring God with my body over the long term than getting a short-term pleasure fix from the things that I used to do. Again, we care for and look after those that we love. We need to do the same to ourselves in order to love ourselves as we should. The second way we need to look after ourselves is this emotionally. We have to protect ourselves emotionally. If we are emotionally unwell, we cannot function properly and we cannot fulfill our purpose and calling. Emotional illness is, excuse me, is just as damaging to us as physical sickness. Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23 tells us, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. That is how important your heart and emotions are. They determine the course of your life. So how do you do that? Well, how do we guard our hearts? How do we guard our emotions? There are a few ways, but the main way is this. We watch who we associate with. We watch who we take advice and our example from. We put ourselves around people that will encourage us and build us up. And we stay away from people that will discourage us and tear us down. We associate with people that genuinely have our best interest at heart and not their own. People that will look out for us and not use us. Make us better people, not worse people. People that show us godly love and protection. We also watch what we watch. Be careful what you read and be careful what you listen to. Be careful what movies you watch, what TV you watch. I'm not talking about getting all holy-roly. There are certain things now that I don't watch that I would have used to watch, that I would have used to make a beeline for to watch. Now I don't look at them. Now, I'll be honest, I can't look at them. We now, every before we watch every movie, we go on the internet and find out how many F-bombs are in it. I mean, seriously, because I cannot listen to it now, because I'm that way inclined. I've moved away from that, and I understand what the negative effect it can have on you. And again, I'm not telling you don't watch these. It's up to you. Your choice, your free will. Let me tell you, the lifestyle I live now, I feel a hundred, a thousand percent better than I did when I was watching all that stuff, listening to all that stuff, and reading all that stuff. So it's up to you. You have free will. But let me promise you, from, ex- from, from experience, be careful what you are putting into your mind, because in your mind will go to your heart, and it will affect the way you feel. And if it affects the way you feel, it will affect the way you act. And if it affects the way you act, it will affect your results. So it all starts with what you're putting into your body and what you are putting into your mind. Just like our bodies, the healthier the stuff that we put into our minds and spirits, the more emotionally well and strong we will be. So finally, we need to look after ourselves this third way, spiritually. 
Spiritual strength and health comes from one thing, our relationship with God. The stronger that is, the stronger spiritually we will be. First Chronicles 16.11, search for the Lord and for His strength. Continually seek Him. Continually seek Him. It doesn't say occasionally seek Him. It says continually. We need to be continually in prayer, continually in the Word, continually in fellowship with people at the church, continually seeking the Lord. He will give you spiritual strength. One of my all-time favorite scriptures, Isaiah 40, 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And again, we're not talking about physical strength alone here. We're talking about emotional and spiritual strength also. Now, I know that my wife loves me, not just because she tells me so, because she shows me so. Our love is to be displayed. Love, remember, is an action word. It's a doing word. We should be able to look at the way that we treat ourselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually and recognize that we love ourselves. Until we get that right, we can't love other people properly. And loving other people properly is what we'll be looking at next week. So let's take time. You need to take time. Take a step back and look at these areas and see where we can improve. Step back. See how God sees us. Step back and look at where we need to forgive ourselves. And step back and examine where we can look after ourselves better. Amen? Would you all bow your heads for me?